0: all right it's the keep to the city yankees podcast and the yankees win on monday night three to one against the blue jays in dunedin the blue jays uh temporary home stadium the site of their spring training and the yankees are now 500 on the season at five and five and they're also 500 on the season against the blue jays evening the season series up two to two so after losing three straight the yankees have won back-to-back games and uh on Monday I was upset when the lineup came out and I saw that Gary Sanchez wouldn't be catching Garrett Cole which I expected but it's still you know upsetting when you see it and going back to opening day uh, I knew or I didn't really actually know that Aaron Boone would have Gary Gary Sanchez catch Garrett Cole but I hoped he would and I hoped he wouldn't start a catching controversy and create a storyline that should have never existed last season again this season but he didn't And now both starts since then with Garrett Cole, it's been Kyle Agashioka, and I'm sure uh, five days from now it'll be Kyle Agashioka again because Aaron Boone will continue to find reasons to put him in there. And with Garrett Cole pitching well because he's a great pitcher, arguably the best pitcher in the world, and it doesn't matter who catches him could be Kyle Agashioka it could be Gary Sanchez they could get Jorge Posada at of retirement they could get anyone to catch Garrett Cole and he'll be great the same way he was in Houston the same way he was in Pittsburgh and Kyle Agashioka wasn't with him at either of those places but Agashioka was the Yankees offense so it's no knock on him he was two for three in the game with two home runs uh, accounting for all three of the Yankees runs and it's nothing against Agashioka when he plays I I like him, but. Gary Sanchez is the team's best catcher, he should be playing. Because you're gonna get in a situation where if you have a personal catcher, especially for someone like Garrett Cole, who's going to start the most important games of the season in October, potentially games one and four and seven of a seven game series, and you have Kyle Gashioka starting in three postseason games, that's not what you want. So Maybe at some point it will be Gary Sanchez. It's going to have to like a perfectly align with the with the schedule for Boone to go back to that. He's sort of set it up now where he can get Higashioka all the time. And it, and it screws things up this week because had Sanchez played tonight, and then he plays tomorrow, and then you can get him a, on the afternoon game on Wednesday. But now he's going to play on Tuesday, and then they're not going to go back to him on Wednesday for the afternoon game. So you're going to see Higashioka in two of the three games here against Toronto. The Yankees' direct competition for the AL East, and you're going to see the backup catcher in two of the three games. Not ideal. But Higashioka did have a big night, as did the bottom of the lineup. Uh, Odor one for three, Higashioka two for three, and Talkman one for three. They went four for 12. The rest of the lineup went 0 for 16. LeMahieu was bad. Probably his worst game as the Yankee, 0 for 4 for three with three strikeouts. It's shocking when he strikes out ever, let alone three times in a game. And he also hit into another double play, which is further proof of why he needs to be the leadoff hitter it's the same reason that they flipped johnny damon and Derek jeter back in 2009 because jeter just puts the ball in play too often to have people on base ahead of him it's it's he's too prone for a double play the same way that LeMahieu is stanton was in the two hole he's 0 for 4 he's been horrible this season except for that one swing that was a grand slam against baltimore judge 0 for 2 with two walks he was getting on track when he had home runs in back-to-back games last week, and then he he didn't play for three days, and he hasn't looked right since. Torres zero for three; he's been horrible. He looks lost. He's got one RBI in the season. He's got no power. He—it's a miracle when he puts the ball in play with any sort of exit velocity. Orshel um, is zero for three, but he's actually doing all right. Pretty much being held up his stats by his Sunday performance. Uh, another bad game for Frazier, zero for two. Uh, Gardner did come into the game for him late so I'm sure you'll see Gardner as the starter again on Tuesday because Clint Frazier's uh, leash seems to be at bat to at bat at this point some of these guys in this fucking team can go months without doing anything and they keep their spot on the order they keep their spot in the lineup but not Clint Frazier he's one of those guys for Boone that he has to produce every single night or he will not be in the lineup so the offense continues to be a problem for this team Uh, They got shut down by Robbie Ray for the first few innings of the game until Higashioka broke through in the fifth with a two-run home run, and I was like, you got to be kidding me, Robbie Ray, you know, the 2017 version of him comes out against the Yankees, of course it would. Um, and it nearly did until Gashioka hit that home run, and then he gets the insurance run, uh, tax on a solo home run in the eighth, and the Yankees win three to one. So it, the Yankees are now five and five, and that's sort of what this team does every year in April. They're five hundred three weeks into April, and then they try to get some separation from five hundred, and then really in the second month of the season is when you start to see them uh, string together. Winning series, winning streaks, um, and after losing three in a row, they've now won two in a row. So things are looking up. I mean, from an actual record standpoint, they're no longer under five hundred. And if they are to win this series and and take at least one of the next two games, they'll leave uh, Dunedin, they'll leave Florida, they'll end this road trip over five hundred before they host uh, the Rays this coming weekend. Uh, but you just are still seeing the same stuff out of this team outside of when Garrett Cole pitches, the starting pitching's a problem. The offense is a problem every single night. They has not, you know, they had two 7-run games against the Orioles who are awful, and that's really it. Their wins have been a Jay Bruce bases loaded bloop single, a Jordan Montgomery gem, a Garrett Cole gem, a Rugnet Odor bloop single in a 10th inning against the Rays on Sunday and then tonight kyle gashioka's home runs and gary cole's gem that like you cannot pin the wins on anyone else really i know gary sanchez has done his best to try to carry the team at times and especially in the first series of the season against the blue jays um and that's really it. You know, stanton stan's been terrible judge has been inconsistent torres has been lost Do you get any more from the offense and i get that eventually they'll put it together and they'll get on a roll but when's that going to happen and I'm sure they'll win one of these games coming up here, like 15 to two or something outrageous to pad everyone's stats, so that the, you know, the the numbers when you take a quick glance at them don't look bad. But if you watch this team night in and night out, you know how bad they've been. So the Yankees win the first game of the series. Uh, second game on Tuesday night against the Blue Jays. And Thomas and Belly of the Short Porch podcast on Barstool Sports join me to talk about the state of the Yankees. So let's get to it. All right, and joining me today to talk Yankees baseball with the season now more than a week underway is Tom Sabelli, host of the Short Porch podcast on Barstool Sports. Tom, how's it going today?
1: We're good, Neil. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be on.
0: Yeah, yeah, no problem. I know it's. Uh, I wish it was better times. I know the Yankees did win on Sunday in extra innings, but that win was more of a relief than it was satisfying because of how many chances they blew to win that game. And that's sort of been the story with them early this season. It's like it's a continuation, basically, of last season because it's the same exact team from last year. It's essentially the same team from 19 and 18 and 17 as well. And uh, their problems are still evident. Their problems have been on display in full effect this first 10 days of the season. And outside of a J- bruce bloop single and a rug or door bloop single this team would be in a lot of trouble
1: yeah that's the thing so people are always like oh how can you overreact it's been eight games it's been nine games it's like that's not true like this is three years like you said the
0: conclusions that
1: we're basing this off of and it's the same problems that have plagued them every single year basically from you know they don't hit uh, with runners in scoring position, they don't hit in the clutch. They can't play defense. They don't have fundamentals. They're too reliant on the long ball. They don't really have starting pitching outside of Garrett Cole. So, to, even it's, even though somehow, even though like the Yankees, the way they're designed, we should be way more ma- uh, way more upset with the pitching. The offense just annoys me more than anything. Just the way they're built, just their offensive like philosophy and approach annoys me to no end. And, <laughs> and it doesn't seem like it's changing this season
0: no it doesn't and and i agree everyone who you know whether it's the mainstream media the beat guys the analysts on tv everyone has to say a comment about the team and then preface it with saying well it's only been x amount of games or well it's early well it's early it's april and aaron boone does it more than anyone uh and it's not early it's not just april this team has just had a six-month layoff they weren't going to magically get better by not playing any games over the off season so the team we saw that lost to the rays in the alds is the team that lost to the astros in the the alcs it's the team that can't beat the blue jays or rays now that the season has started and you can't play boston and baltimore every night at some point they're gonna have to beat the rays they're gonna have to beat the blue jays and with this stretch of games here against the rays then the blue jays then the rays again and then the braves i mean this is a really crucial part of the schedule and that's crazy to say but it is because of how badly they've played in early april
1: yeah, I mean, people like you said love to say it's only April, but every game counts the same. Every game counts one out of 162, so it doesn't matter if it's in April or if it's in you know September. It still counts as one game. And yeah, I mean, it's it's like you said, it, it's the same team that's been back every single year, and things weren't going to magically improve over the off season. I think the Yankees basically their strategy this off season, more or less, was. Let's just maintain, because I think they thought everybody in the AL got worse. They pretty much did. I I mean, you know, the Astros, no Verlander, no Cole, obviously. The White Sox are a contender, but, you know, the rest of the AL East should be beatable with with Snell out of the equation and Morton out of Tampa Bay. But at the same time, like, that's not making your team any better. So just because you think that everybody else should be worse, like, you don't know that for sure. A team could come out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, because you're not any better, you're still going to lose in the playoffs. So it is infuriating.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, I, and I've and i written that a million times, said it a million times. Their whole mindset was, we'll just get better by everyone getting worse, by teams cutting payroll, by teams tanking, not being competitive. And like you said, that's no strategy to win. They had an opportunity here where they could have separated themselves so greatly by, uh, against the rest of the American League and ensured that they would be in the best possible position to represent the American League in the World Series, and they didn't do that. So now they're going to have to deal with the Blue Jays. They're going to have to deal with the Rays. Like you said, the White Sox, even though the Astros have lost pieces, I still wouldn't trust this Yankees team against the Astros in a series. Oh, never. <laughs> so, yeah, they're the same team. And, and now with Rugnet Odor and everyone's like, hey, this guy's 27 he's had three 30 home run seasons maybe he'll put on the pinstripes and they'll catch magic like they have in the past but Rugner Odor, statistically, over the last four years, has been one of the worst everyday players in Major League Baseball. The Texas Rangers are expected to be potentially the worst team in the American League, and if they thought he could help them in the slightest, they would have kept him. But rather than that, they're paying him $27 million to go away and not play for them. And the Yankees picking him up because he costs nothing is an embarrassment to the Yankees. Rather than actually fix things in the offseason... Rather than actually create balance for this lineup, they forced Jay Bruce, a left-handed hitter, into the lineup. That didn't work. So now they forced Rugnett Odor, a left-handed hitter, into the lineup. So rather than have actual major league caliber players in this championship window, they're just picking guys off the scrap heap. And it's nice that he had the bloop single in his Yankees debut, and it's nice that Bruce in the second game of the season blooped one in with the bases loaded, because the team did need those hits to win games. But it's an embarrassment that Rugnett Odor is on the 2021 Yankees, and he's not only that but he's batting sixth
1: yeah like you said i i get sort of the philosophy where they're like oh we need a lefty power bat obviously this jay bruce experiment isn't working he sucks uh so they go for a guy who wants to 30 home runs maybe we can unlock something but Yankees, i don't care what side of the plate he hits from thank you do not need another 200 or even sub 200 hitter who strikes out like over 100 times per season so that is just, like the yankees need. and i know it's like it seems so cliche to say at this point and you know, to say get more DJ than is ridiculous because he's a guy that led the AL. You know, he's been an AL uh, MVP top five for what, the past couple of seasons. You can't just find a guy like that every offseason. But they needed to find more guys that have that approach. Gio Rochelle even is one of my favorite hitters in the lineup. And instead, they just go for more of the same type of guy over and over again. And no shit, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. And and it's
0: it's surprising, but that's the Yankee mentality is just uh put as many left handed bats as you can in the lineup, whether they're any good or not. And if you or I showed up tomorrow to the Yankees Clubhouse and we're gonna be in the lineup, we'd bat third or sixth probably. Well, we wouldn't bat third because Aaron Hicks bats third no matter <laughs> oh, no, how, how badly he does, but we'd bat sixth. So Tom Sabelli shows up to the Yankee Stadium tomorrow, he's the number six hitter just because he's left handed. And this is an issue because With the Yankees, they created a roster of all right-handed hitters. They purposely did this. And Brian Cashman has said it's about finding the talent. It's not about which hand they hit with, and we'll find them a spot. Well you have now created a situation where Aaron Boone feels the need to break up the right-handed hitters. And when Aaron Hicks is the only left-handed hitter in the lineup, no matter where he bats after him, will follow eight right-handed hitters. So why does he have to be forced into the three-hole? Why does he have to break up Judge and Stanton? Why is he not hitting no higher than seventh where he belongs? The,
1: the Aaron, Aaron Hicks three-hole experiment is so infuriating. Like The fact that what has Aaron Hicks done in his career exactly. to make them think he's a three? He walks a lot, okay? That's what everybody says His OBP, is OBP, <laughs> And I can't believe, like, I used to be a point. I used to be like, oh, analytics, you got to embrace analytics. It's gone so far where I now feel like I'm like a Tony Larusa esque dinosaur. Where I'm like, <laughs> I don't care what his on-base percentage is. Like, I, if he hits 220, I don't want him hitting third. Like, walks, sure, you get on base. They don't drive and run. there's a runner on second, and two outs, a single scoring a Milwaukee isn't. If there's a runner on third, a single scoring on Milwaukee isn't. So, like, I, I understand the OBP is important, but you need guys that also put the ball in play and hit the baseball, especially the top of your lineup, and Aaron Hicks does not do that.
0: No, and the Yankees essentially treat Aaron Hicks like he's Bernie Williams. They give him the three-hole, they let him play no matter what. He never comes out of the oh, lineup.
1: The <laughs> How about, Clint, like, Clint Frazier's leash is so short where he gets benched for a couple games because I know he's 0 for 13, 0 for 14, whatever, like how how come that's not the same leash on on Aaron Hicks? They've both accomplished about the same amount in their career.
0: Yeah, and Hicks's career is now nine years in, and you have to take pieces of five of his nine seasons and put them together to get one really productive season. And that didn't stop Aaron the Yankees.
1: Hicks <laughs> forever, like I think the Yankees have forgot that like Aaron Hicks was like an unbelievable bust with the Twins. Yeah, he was awful in what twenty sixteen, whatever his first season yeah. with, with the Yankees was. And then, yeah, he had a few good seasons when he was, like, half healthy where he hit some home runs and shit. I get it. But the idea, like, and I think part of it is is the fact that they gave him this seven-year contract where they want to prove that he's, you know, a hidden gem or whatever. But and I, the thing is, like, I, you know, as mad as I get at him, it's like he's not the man that can no. start every day. No, it's, it, that's what I tell people who say, well, oh, you you know, there's a
0: real weird faction of Yankees fans who, if you say anything about Aaron Hicks, they come out of the woodwork to attack you. Oh, it's, of- it's bizarre. It's really bizarre how much these people love Aaron Hicks. But I don't hate Aaron Hicks. I hate the way the Yankees use him, just like Jonathan Holder or Jay Happ. They don't call themselves into games. They don't, you know, Jay Happ didn't decide he should come into the fucking second game of the ALDS after Davey Garcia. Right. The, Aaron Boone does these things. So I don't hate Aaron Hicks, but... If Aaron Hicks batted ninth, no one would talk about him. He could go about his business, hit 240, you know, have a 350 on base percentage and play good defense, and no one would say anything. But when you're hitting third on the New York Yankees, and and you look around the league and you see other three hitters, Mike Trout, Jose Abreu, Nolan Arenado, Christian Yelich, up up and down the league, it's MVP caliber players, it's silver slugger winners, it's future Hall of Famers, and then the New York Yankees have Aaron Hicks batting there. It doesn't make any sense.
1: It, it is absurd. I, it really, and I think, like, you know, you sort of uh, said it where it's just because he's a switch hitter, I think. And, oh, no, my, here's my other favorite, actually, part. Uh, you mentioned, like, the Yankee fans who uh, come out of the woodwork to defend Aaron Hicks. Uh, my my favorite are the ones who are like, oh, yeah, Aaron Hicks can't thir- at can't third. He has to lead off. Their solution <laughs> is getting him more at that. I know. Like, I, I- um. Uh... It's crazy. I weirdly, get where like yeah, he is probably better suited to be a one hitter than a three hitter because of the OBP and like what I was saying, where you know walks don't drive in runs and that doesn't matter as much at the top of the lineup. But to to see like the way he's been playing, he's hitting what one thirty this year. He's hitting two twenty last year, two thirty the year before, and be like, oh yeah, we need to move that guy up to the one hole. Is insane. <laughs> Let him hit seventh and, and move on.
0: Yeah, and I mean, my whole thing with him started because of the fact that he can never stay healthy. He's the, the thing he's best at is getting injured. And the fact that the Yankees were like, we're yeah. going to pay this guy for his 30s when he couldn't stay on the field in his 20s was crazy. So my whole Aaron Hicks thing goes back to you know a few years now when he couldn't stay healthy. And then somehow it progressed where he was... You know, going back to opening day 2017, the Yankees were debating whether Judge should be the everyday right fielder from opening day or whether it should be Hicks and Judge would be in the minors. And people forget that Aaron Hicks was the fourth outfielder in 2017 before injuries and underperformance led to him becoming the everyday center fielder over Ellsbury. And and it's crazy. And it's crazy to see that this guy came from, like you said, a first round bust. Traded for John Ryan Murphy. Great deal because, whatever, the Yankees had crazy depth and Murphy's career has become nothing. And, he, you know, he's made a nice career for himself. The guy got $70 million from the Yankees, but he has no business batting in, in the top two-thirds of the order.
1: Yeah, no, and, and even with the deal, like, uh, it's not the worst deal in the world because it's only $10 million per year. Like, you can eat that if you have to. And, you know, I guess at and they the time, will. it's coming off 20, yeah, it's coming off 2018 where he hit you know, 27 home runs, Uh, So, like, at the time, I actually did think it was a smart deal where you're getting a chance at a guy who could one day be, you know, worth way more than this. And, you know, you're getting him a pretty good value for him. It makes sense because of injuries he's getting seven years um, guaranteed. But, yeah, the Aaron Hicks uh, experiment, like, he was, like you said, a fourth outfielder, and he was good for for a couple seasons, 2017, 2018. But, you know, just handing him the three-hole is is crazy to me. I don't know how you shake – I – would like to see, like, DJ one or Shella two. People think I'm crazy for that, but, I mean, (laughs) Zero is a guy that he hits for average, you get, like, put the ball in play, and then you have Judge Stanton, Boyd, however you want to do it.
0: Yeah, I've seen that, I've seen that around, Uh, I mean, that's better, hey, anything they have, anything you could suggest right now is better than what they have, so I I wouldn't necessarily go Urshela too, I I don't mind Lemayhu then Judge, then either Voight or Stanton, but anything that gets suggested is better than seeing Aaron Hicks in the three hole, and Aaron Boone has all the control over the lineup. He has all the control over the bullpen decisions. He has all the control over in-game strategy. And Brian Cashman made that clear at his end-of-the-season press conference last year when he said Aaron Boone is not a puppet. He has full control over everything. He is not told what to do. He, we give him recommendations suggestions. And this all came about because the media was questioning what happened in Game 2. Why did Garcia pitch one inning as an opener? Right. And then they went to J-Hap. And Cashman said it was this way under Tory. It was this way under Girardi. It'll be this way as long as I'm here so Aaron Boone is to blame for all this I know people like to say oh it's Cashman it's the analytics team it's the Ivy League nerds in the front office it's not them it's Aaron Boone who has no clue what he's doing and uh, oh go ahead
1: no sorry I'll say like, I, yeah, I do I don't totally buy like I think there's no way that Aaron Hicks at least with that Debbie J. Hap decision I, there's no way he made that completely on his own I think that was definitely like a joint I think it's I think that there's a middle ground where like you know, there's people who think that Aaron Boone is a puppet and he, he reads the bind, you know, just gets everything told. So I don't think that's the case. But I also don't think he has complete autonomy. I think maybe the Yankees want to make it seem that way. But I think it's probably a collaborative effort where Aaron Boone maybe at the end of the day is the one who has the final say, but also his hands are tied a little. Maybe he doesn't want to go against them too much, you know?
0: Yeah, I could see that. Well, then this brings the next question. When Gary Sanchez caught... Uh, Garrett Cole on opening day I was like okay Aaron Boone passed the first test because if he plays Kyle Gashioka on opening day I might that might be it for me as a Yankees fan I might root against this team for the rest of my life but he played him and then you knew you just knew <laughs> the next Cole start that a Gashioka was going to be in and they'd say oh Gary needs a day off and then that set up today's game where kyle agashioka is in over gary sanchez and what does aaron boone say he says well you know he had to catch that 10 inning game on, on sunday so one fucking extra inning of one two three baseball gary sanchez now can't catch on monday night garrett cole so aaron boone is going back to the well what he did in the postseason where he fucked over gary sanchez where he screwed over clint fraser for brett Gardner. he's doing the same exact things he did last year as if nothing ever happened so, see, this
1: is, I, this we disagree on. And I feel like you. I, I agree with you on a lot of things, and you're probably a more negative fan like I am. <laughs> so it's shocking to see that you're, like, pro-Gary Sanchez. Because I'm very – and I know he's been good this year, yada, yada, yada. But I've mostly been pretty anti-Gary Sanchez, where it's like, yeah, I know for a cast he has a lot of power or whatever, but the guy fucking hits 180. And, like, for this situation, Gareth Cole, he just does seem to fit a lot better with Nagashioka. So if Gary is going to probably sit, because, well, you know, a catcher's not going to play uh, seven days a week. So if he's going to sit once every five days, I'm fine with it being on pole starts if he's going to pitch so much better with Togashioka.
0: Tom, I don't know what to say to you here. I know I know, I am the president of the Gary Sanchez fan club and I've stood by this guy because I believe that he can get back to what he used to be. And I know that his ceiling is the best hitting catcher of all time, and his floor is Kyle Higashioka's ceiling, essentially. Mm-hmm. And this idea that Kyle Higashioka makes Garrett Cole better, the Yankees didn't give, you know, they didn't go out and get him. The, right, the, right, the, right, right. They, didn't they didn't trade, they didn't, the Astros they didn't, didn't, they trade didn't trade for him because of because he caught this kid, because Kyle Gashioka caught him in junior high school. He, it doesn't matter who catches Garrett Cole. He's going to be, Garrett Cole, he's going to be nasty anyway. I don't
1: know. Just, I, mean, the number, I mean, the numbers don't walk. He's just a lot better with Igashio.
0: I, I I know, and I know the sample size is only last year and stuff. But if you look at uh, if you, if you look at the idea of having a personal catcher, and you get to the postseason, and then in the biggest games of the playoffs, yeah, Garrett that Cole's going to start. The what happens I then? Garrett's
1: going to hit the
0: way he So what would you, what if what would you do in games one, four, and seven of a seven game series that Cole's pitching? You would play Kyle Gashioka and you'd have to sit Sanchez because Dan can't
1: play the outfield, so he has to DH. Well, to be honest, at that point, yeah, you could have Sanchez DH and then, uh, yeah, I not like there's nine uh, strong bats in the lineup right now where they're trying to squeeze, them, squeeze them in. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, no, it is, it, it is almost getting funny to a point of like, what is the excuse going to be every, every time Gerrit starts? Like, will the Yankees go thirty? Like will they go the whole season and have Agashioka catch Cole thirty times with like never saying it officially and just make up a different excuse every time? That would actually be pretty funny.
0: Yeah, and I and I get that Cole was dominant last start. He also pitched against the Orioles. And if Garrett Cole can't go out and dominate the Orioles, then what what are we even doing here? But. Uh, Another big decision with the Yankees here was letting scumbag Domingo Ramon, standing by him with his actions, standing beside him during his suspension, keeping him on the team, making him the fifth starter to begin the season. He's been a fucking disaster. Seven innings, seven runs. Four home runs, 14 base runners in seven innings. And they finally sent him down after a second start. And I was like, okay, we're, they're, they're making the decisions they should have made before opening day. And they're starting to do them now where Wade's gone, Herman's gone. But then Aaron Boone comes out and says, the next time they need a fifth starter, it's Herman. Like, what are we doing here, Tom? Like, where's Davy Garcia?
1: Yeah, no, I love Debbie too. I, I was surprised at that decision because, like you said, the way the Yankees stuck by Herman, like, you would have thought he had a longer leash than two starts. And he certainly hasn't been good, but it's not like he's given up, you know, twenty runs in ten innings or anything. Like yeah he has been bad, but like with how much they stuck by him, I was surprised that they sent him down so quick. So once they said like, you know, basically this is a fake send down, that made more sense. We had Deffy was at times the team's second best star second best starter last year. Yeah. And 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 you I would... mean, it's not an issue where like we know how it goes. Someone's gonna get hurt on this staff. So Devin's gonna get his opportunities. But uh yeah, I'd love to see Debbie Garcia.
0: Yeah, and and it's it's crazy to say, but it sounds like this team is you know lost twenty games in a row. But it feels like that because they just can never get off to a good start in April. They're either eight and eight or nine and ten or ten and ten. Every single April, it's a battle. It's a grind to get through it. And I don't know why this team can never just go out and like be eleven and three to start the season and have everyone saying, okay, okay you know that's how it should be. It's always got to be a grind. It's, and, and and it's always a grind with this specific roster. And once again, the starting pitching is a question outside of Cole. The lineup can't hit. The bullpen has been good, which is sort of the case every season. Aaron Boone has no idea what he's doing. It's just, I feel like I'm living the same season for the fifth straight year now.
1: Yeah, it, it 2017 felt different, right? Because it was like the young team. It was Girardi. It was, uh, you know, they're sort of the scrappy, lovable underdogs. And yeah. then 2018 through now has self the same. I 2019 like there's years sometimes where a team feels like a little bit special like oh nine obviously like not only were they unbelievable but it also was like they were special 15 walk-offs or whatever it was 2019 i thought had that vibe a little bit especially like the savages in the box and all that that was the only team that not even that they were designed differently it just felt differently i don't know if what i'm saying makes any sense uh, <laughs> but other than that it's it really just been the same team and like yeah Maybe they get lucky in the playoffs this year where, like, they avoid some elite starting pitching. But I'm not going to have – barring something significant changing during this season, I'm not going to roll into the playoffs with any sort of confidence.
0: No, you can't. And and I know earlier you said I'm sort of the negative type of fan that you are, but I know when people say that I say no, I'm I'm a realist. I understand this team. I know exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. who they are, and they haven't won anything in 12 years. They haven't they've lost 4 ALCSs in that amount of time. They haven't been to the World Series. So, I fans like me and you with the same mindset, that's the fans who get it. They understand who this team is. They don't think that every decision is the best decision. Everything the Yankees do is the right move. Every player they sign is the right signing. And I think anyone who does that is a, is a fool, and that seems to be a lot of the Yankees fans.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I agree. Uh, that that's what being uh, being a Yankee fan is: being mad after you lose every single game. Like George <laughs> Steinbrenner, you know, would fire people if they lost four games in a row. Like every year, that you don't win the World Series is uh is a failure. And like the, the Yankees, like nobody on this Yankees team, with I guess the exception of Brett Gardner, has earned shit from us. Like none of them have yeah. won anything. Like, the Yankees haven't won a World Series in 12 years, and it's aggravating when it's year after year failing in the postseason with the same thing. So, yeah, it's anger at this year and a slow start. But it's really, it's just the, it's just the buildup. And so when people are like, oh, you know, how could you, how could you say this? How could you be negative of this guy? How could you, like that's just what being a Yankee fan is. And if you don't get that, then I don't know what to tell you. Go be a fan of the Kansas City Royals.
0: (laughs) All right, Tom. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. I know uh, it wasn't the happiest times because of the state of the team right now. Um, But we'll have to check in again during the season, and, and hopefully by then they've sort of righted the ship and got things turned around.
1: No, thank you for having me on. I I was saying before the show, like, I was happy to jump on because I've actually followed you on Twitter since, like, probably I was in high school. Like, way before I worked at Barstool, before I even went to college, because my dad and my cousin Matt, who were very similar to us, like, super negative fans, they (laughs) followed you. And uh, they were like, oh, you got to check out this guy, Neil Keith. Like, you know, he's just like us. Like, he's negative after every game or whatever. So, I was like, oh, I'll check him out. And then, you know, I followed you basically since then to so like, hop on the pod. I was like, uh, of course, it's been uh, eight years or whatever <laughs> in the making. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, Tom. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. And then, like I said, we'll check again, uh, check in again during the season.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: All right. Thanks again to Tom for taking the time to come on and talk about the Yankees. Uh, unfortunately, it's not the best time to talk about them because they're been mediocre, which is what a 500 record is, which is what they are and not something you expect from this team same old story with them every April hover around 500 for a few weeks before you start to get going maybe this win tonight was is what will get them going because certainly the win on Sunday wasn't it the momentum did not carry over they got four hits in the game all from the 7 eight, nine spot maybe this is the win that propels them to put it together finally but that'll do it for tonight uh, Yankees blue Jays back at it on Tuesday. I'll be back on to talk about that game after the game. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.